Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Rock. How are you now? Well, Puerto Rican Polly, I am looking at you, and you look pretty good. I don't even know if I can say that. Is that offensive? No, Puerto Rican Polly? Yeah. Is that politically incorrect? I I was in Puerto Rico Rico. for six days, so yeah. He was was in Puerto Rico. Paul, you look good, buddy. I'm looking at you on the stream here. You do have a little color to you. Yeah. No, he doesn't. A little sun-kissed. Yeah, a little sun-kissed. I went from taste white to egg white. It's a big (laughs) upgrade. you, You don't tan, you beige? Basically, I get freckles. I, I, I will say there were some shoulder spots that did not do so well. But, yeah, uh, now when I, um, I've i noticed tan lines, they are just very slight tan Scale lines. Scale of one oh, you got to white ten. Cheeks, you got white cheeks and an off-white back is yes, what that means. exactly. Scale of one to ten. How, how amazing was Puerto Rico? I would give it a seven, but only a seven just because there was a curfew in order because of COVID-19 uh, at 10 o'clock. But oh. It was a lot of fun. We stayed at a hotel that was under construction. It was a fancy hotel, and we were the only people there, which was pretty cool. A little weird at first, but uh, it was fantastic. (laughs) My uh, best friend from high school got married, and it was great to catch up with his family. We're basically like a second family to me when I was in high school and I first moved down to Florida. So it was, right it was a lot of fun. Oh, good. Good. Glad you had a great time. You didn't miss anything. Nothing's happened in the sports world the last seven days. No, man. The Mariners are on fire. We went through it. <laughs> yes. Mariners completely turned everything upside down. They t- took two or three from the Astros, uh, enacting vengeance on the sign-stealing scandal, and then they split with the Dodgers. They're ready to go to the World Series. And this is the trip up to the Northeast, the area you're familiar with, Mr. Gallant. This mm. is the trip that just seems to, at times, derail things for the Mariners. They just don't play well at Fed. I don't know what the record is, Danny. You may tell me I'm totally wrong. But over the last decade, it feels like every time they go to Fenway, other than maybe Felix throwing a gym, they just, you know, tails between their legs, lose three or four, and just kind of lose some steam. So hopefully that is not the case this time around. Hopefully also my return is not bad luck. And if you have any suggestions as far as superstitions that I should do, uh, text them in 710-710. Question one for you, Brock. Carson. Take off your shirt right now. Whoa. Oh, that was my suggestion for superstition. You want me to take off my shirt? <laughs> Not really. I thought it'd be no. funny to say, though. That's kind of, that's kind of good. Not going to lie. Uh, anyway, uh, question number one. Carson Palmer had this to say about Russell Wilson and his wandering eye this offseason. We don't know exactly what's going on between Russ and Pete Carroll and John Schneider and everybody that runs that organization, but the track record and a success is undoubtable. I mean, you, you can't argue that. What, what they've built in Seattle is fantastic. Every time I hear something out of Seattle and issues with Russ in Seattle, I, I keep thinking to myself, Russ, be careful, man. The grass is always greener on the other side, and it might be because there's more manure over there. Be careful <laughs> of wanting out and leaving one of the, the premier organizations in all of sports and going to a mid-tier or a bottom-of-the-bucket organization. Brock, is it true that, as a Puyallup guy, that grass might mm-hmm. be greener due to manure? 
Yeah, manure can help, but you got to get kind of the right dosage of it. I, I, I would probably prefer fertilizer, right? <laughs> is that's chemically put together with the right kind of numbers and balance and everything else. So you got to be careful what kind of manure and just exactly where that comes from and, and and how healthy that manure is. But I think Carson speaks from perspective, a background of being in Cincinnati, a background of being with the then Oakland Raiders, a, a background. Even in Arizona, where I know he loved Bruce Arians and the Bidwells have turned around some of their commitment and in ownership and in and, and their you know financial wherewithal to, 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 to dump more into it, the younger Bidwells have. So, you know, I think that is pretty sound advice and counsel from somebody that's been there before. And oh, by the way, was also coached by Pete Carroll, who led him to a Heisman Trophy, who knows how important that positivity at the very, very top of the food chain can be as well. There are not many quarterbacks who have played for Pete Carroll and then gone on to have more success elsewhere. And that's not to say, because, hey, it could be just the the fact that those Orange County quarterbacks that come from those big Catholic schools don't thrive at the next level. But there's also, like, you think Mm -hmm. about Matt Leinart, you think about even somebody, uh, and and there's so many different ones. Matt Barkley. Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez was drafted high. And Carson, Carson's the one of those guys. He didn't play for Pete as long. I wonder how his career goes if he if he's drafted by a better organization, doesn't yep. suffer that knee injury. I, yep. I think I think Carson's an incredibly talented player, and Agreed. I think that because because of Cincinnati and because of that knee injury, we never saw that. But it's not like guys have knocked it dead when they've got out from Pete Carroll's clutches. For all the people that think he's some sort of like retrograde, me run ball, don't like pass quarterback, <laughs> there's not a lot of guys that have just blossomed when they've got outside his clutches. Yeah, and I think some of that is is what he had at USC with the amount of talent around said quarterback. And we've seen that with Alabama quarterbacks. We've seen that with Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL as well mm-hmm. here. That you may, when you're playing with just the very best of the best, you you capture your ceiling a whole lot faster than maybe you do, Danny. If if you're you know having to grind and, and and play with lesser talent around you, and and then when you get to a better team, you can capitalize on your upside and realize the potential, and and, and your ceiling continues to grow. By the way, little perception reality. Yeah. When I when I was I'm looking at my master's hat right now, and I was on the Amen Corner at number right. twelve. And I peered over my shoulder, and there were a few former NFL QBs sitting there as well. Got up and, and went and said hello. Uh, Mark Sanchez, broad shoulder now. Like really? Big, like huge hands. Like I was, I always thought of Mark Sanchez as just kind of an average-sized guy. Call it 6'2", 210. No siree. Bigger Back dude. Linebacker. Like he was huh. big, huge, thick quads and legs. And, yeah, I guess I was, you know, doing my normal uh, looking the at body shell. And thighs. Yeah. Slim fit but, shirts. But, but, but the, uh, no, no, when he, when he was like in a sweat, like he was just. Like, oh, he's in sweats and he looked that good? Dang. Yeah, yeah. I was just surprised at just how broad and like thick he was. He was a much bigger human being than uh, my perception led me on to. When you said he thick, did you spell it with two C's? Thick boy. You thick boy. <laughs> Question right two. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> Oh, he's thick, though. <laughs> Brock, let's go back yes. to 1999. Oh, you are oh, you oh. are you are going through the pre-draft process, and you sit down for an interview with one of the 32 teams that you're wondering if they will select you. I guess okay. it's 31 at that point because the Texans weren't in the league yet. All right. What, what would you have thought if a coach says, "Hey, let's play a little rock paper scissors"? Oh my gosh. 
You can play the sound of that again. Please don't. Philadelphia okay. coach Nick Cesario, right? Oh my yep, God. play some play some Rochambeau. Idiani. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, don't confuse those names. What would you do? I would say, are you 12? <laughs> People are trying to tell me, lighten up. He's just trying to make a joke. Yeah. I, I'd be like, I don't know if I want to play for this guy. Like, maybe I want to tank this interview. Like, maybe, here's, instead of rock, paper, scissors, here's a gun. I'm firing you. Honestly, that news comes yesterday, the same day the news that Tomlin gets a three-year extension in Pittsburgh. And when you think of Mike Tomlin in, in that state, in the Keystone State, and you think of Mike on one side in Pittsburgh and, and now Nick Cesario on the eastern side in Philadelphia, look at the difference. Look, look at the difference in just grown man experience, hours on the job, task on hand of understanding what it's like to, to lead men in the NFL and realize that this guy's starting at just ground zero. That's the move you made, Jeffrey Lurie. You know, that's the move that you wanted. Uh, but, man, there's going to be a severe learning curve, as there is for anybody in that job. But a first-time head coach, and he absolutely sounds like it. Man, it feels almost like he is flexing. Yeah. We're going to have an open quarterback competition. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> nope. Hey, you not the way it works in the NFL. Nope. Nope. Between you know me and my should... buddy Dan Campbell in Detroit, the league, yeah. like, when they take that picture, well, they probably won't do it at the owner's meeting, right? I don't think they're all gathering together yet, so we can try to figure out which year Hawaiian shirt Andy Reid is wearing, right? Who's the hippest cool kid? I don't even recognize that coach. Who is that, right? They all take that photo or have in years past at the owner's meetings. Like, when you look at that photo, what are Tomlin and Reed and Belichick and Pete thinking of just some of these these rookie coaches? Like, my gosh, do you have a lot to learn? What they're thinking is, hey, why don't you guys stand on the outside so we can crop you out quickly? <laughs> that's that's that that's probably that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah, that is that that is that is just you, by the way, speaking of Philadelphia quarterbacks, do you guys see Embiid shot last night? Yeah. Embiid almost made an overhand, like, pitcher-style throw from his own, under his own basket. Like, he rebounded a missed free throw, turned and threw. Like, there was, I I don't even know if there was a second left on the clock. And it went off the backboard and and hit the rim. Looked like it was going down, and it wasn't, because it's really hard to do it. But it was was one of the more physically amazing feats. Just throwing it that far was incredible. Probably good for Philly that he didn't hit it, too, because he is absolutely big man who thinks he can shoot a lot better than he can. He is absolutely, by the way, speaking of uh, just perception reality, watching a Kansas basketball practice a decade ago when I did a Kansas Jake Keeps football game. And I met that guy. That that's a large humanoid. Yeah, that's huge. a massive, massive man. He didn't step into it. And he threw it the length of the floor. It was incredible, impressive. Question three. So Brock, impressive. We didn't run out of the music bed there. That's good. Yeah, we did on question one. Yeah, <laughs> more just had to sound it down because <laughs> of your Mark Sanchez tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, it was cool. Uh, question three. So the Seahawks bring in Pierre Desir. At cornerback yesterday, Desir Brock was pretty good in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, but he's fallen off the face of the earth. And, I mean, most recently he was yeah. the Jets' Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee when he wasn't even on the team Correct. anymore. But it's Pierre Desir. It is now Demarius Randall being moved to corner, also with Akello Witherspoon, who the Seahawks brought in from the San Francisco 49ers, and the other ex-49er, DJ Reed. Yep. What do you make of the Seahawks' cornerback position as we get closer and closer to the draft? 
I make of it you've got one starter in DJ Reed that's uh, that's a starter in this league that can get you to the playoffs, that can win your division as we watched him play at that level when he started the second half of the season. So you got a legitimate starter. And then you've got a, a bunch of depth guys that are going to try to prove that they can, can be opposite him. Uh, does this preclude them from taking somebody in the draft? Absolutely not. Does this preclude them from spending money on Richard Sherman or Casey Hayward or some of the veteran guys out there? Well, it depends on what those guys want. If Richard Sherman thinks he's a $12 million guy still, which I think in his mind he firmly believes he is in his play the last few years, in his mind, in Richard's mind, speaks to that, then Richard's not going to get a job at $12 million a year. I, I don't look at those moves, and I've seen some of that written about, and, oh, this now means with, with Randall and Witherspoon and, and you bring – uh, you know, the uh, sheer back, the sheer back that this is now, uh, sorry, we spent all the money. We don't have any room. There's no roster spots. No, no. If, if the number's right on a veteran, like those two I just mentioned right there, and really right and really low with incentives, t- to me, that does not preclude you. Those moves not preclude you from bringing in somebody else. He is Brock Hewitt. We appreciate his time during Blue 42, his expertise. we got a draft to talk to next week. We got a lot of you that. Ready and for let it? me tell you, I'm I'm starting to do some research. I'm going to be doing the show, I believe, with Bob and Dave the day of the draft on Ooh. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, we're bringing you in for all the quarterbacks. We've got the big quarterback in. brain yeah, to sort yeah, through all these guys that are going to get chosen. Yep, yep going to hang out with those guys. But just looking at this list, and I was kind of kind of curious with a couple Husky guys, right? With with Molden and Levi Onzerike, Joe Tryon. Most mocks and extended mocks have them all drafted somewhere in the second or late third round. Uh, just looking at them, though, there's no doubt in my mind now that the Seahawks are going to trade down. Looking at players in the 50s versus players in the 80s, to me, there's very little to no difference. So the the thought of, oh, man, they're going to just – and they could. I mean, there could be a tackle. There could be a, a unicorn out there with a really high grade sitting at 56 that they just simply have to make the move on. But, uh, but yes, and just my initial little study here is I'll do more this weekend and into Thursday, talk with you guys Monday and Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, I think this is a trade down, and there's going to be a lot of prospects, say, 70 to 125. You know, people always talk about that, but unicorns would be a terrible football player. Like, there's no reason to no draft hands. a unicorn to play football. Plus, they don't exist. Also, like that would be part of the that that would be one of the yeah buttons. yeah. You try playing a unicorn at left tackle, and do you think Russell's complaining about the protection he's had? You see how it turns out if there's an imaginary creature that's being asked to protect. Do you him. know what kind of manure unicorns create? <laughs> think about that. <laughs> well done, Bob. Yeah, well, well done, Brock. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Uh, that is Brock Heward.